If you would, please take your Bibles, open with me to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6 of Hebrews chapter 8. If you're able, I invite you to stand as we read the Holy Word of God. The Lord Jesus once said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hebrews 8, 1 through 6. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. Friends, the grass will wither and the flowers will fall, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Lord, we're excited to come to your word today. And Father, we pray that you would remove all the distractions, the cares of the day or the week. Lord, we, we don't just lay them at the door to pick them up when we leave here. We actually cast them on you and say, Lord, we know you care for us. We, we give these to you. And Lord, would you take us now and open our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive the things of God without distraction. Holy Spirit, work among us, we pray. Uh, Lord, we, we lay this text before you, and we pray that we would hear it clearly and understand it as you would want us to. In Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Friends, please be seated. <clears throat> Have you ever learned something the hard way? The hard way. I remember when Deirdre and I, uh, it was back maybe in the first few years we were married. I guess we'd been married five years by this point. It was 2005, December of 2005. Brock, I think, was about four months old. and We had just put up our Christmas tree. It was a real tree that, that we put up. And uh, someone was at my house, and they were in my kitchen, and uh, they were looking at uh, the countertops. And Part of my countertop was a cutting board. Does anyone ever have a cutting board as part of your countertop? Like it was actually part of the countertop. And they looked at the cutting board, and the cutting board was right above the dishwasher. And they said, Adam, your cutting board is, is stained. It doesn't look very good. Why don't you take that off, uh, sand it down, reseal it, and put it back on? Now, what this person didn't know is that Adam doesn't know how to do anything like that. I was having lunch a few weeks ago with Johnny Baker, and Johnny, I love learning that you, you can do things like that. You're good with your hands. I'm not good at all with my hands. But you know what I thought? I'm like, 
That doesn't sound that hard. I'm, I'm going to try this. I'm, I'm going to take this cutting board off and re-sand, you know, sand it down and seal it. So I, I, I took the cutting board off, but as I told you, what was below the cutting board? The dishwasher. And through taking that off and moving the dishwasher around, Deirdre and I didn't realize that we actually broke a, a pipe in the back. Um, we, we didn't realize that, and, and we decided to still run the dishwasher while we were going through this process. And we ran that dishwasher on Friday night before we went to bed. And uh, when I woke up Saturday, I was sleeping in a little bit longer, but Deirdre woke me up with these words. Hey, Adam, I hope we have good homeowner's insurance. $16,000 later, after that claim, it, it dawned on me, um, I, I can't do a lot of the things that I'd like to do. And in fact, I need to understand that there's people out there who can do these things better than I can do them. There's professionals out there. And I need to kind of lean on the professional instead of trying to do this myself. And you'd think after having such an experience, I would have learned my lesson. But we get to house number two in 2008. Oh, by the way, I told you it was December and uh, the Christmas tree was up. We had to have all those dehumidifiers in the house and the Christmas tree just kind of, nah. Charlie Brown had a better looking Christmas tree than ours that, that Christmas. It dried it up completely. But we get to the second house and you think I'd learned my lesson. And we're, it's 2008 now. And right above my sink in my um, kitchen, there was a light. And we decided to replace that light. Well, I said, well, I bet I could do that. So I took that light down and I thought all, you know, all the power was turned off and such. And I was putting up the new light and it was one of those situations where I was back on the counter again. I was actually standing on the counter with my hands in the air, putting up this new light. And all of a sudden, I was electrocuted and it threw me off the counter into the floor. Now you'd think I wouldn't have done that because of what had happened in the earlier house, but no, even though I knew there was something better, even though I knew I could have called an electrician, I decided to keep doing things myself. Finally, the, the electrician came over and he said, Adam, you do the preaching and I'll do the electrical work. Uh, and then he said, you didn't follow the great philosopher Clint Eastwood. He said, Clint Eastwood once said, a man ought to know his limitations. Well, finally, after a couple times, maybe I learned my lesson. But friends, have you ever been in a situation maybe where you've learned something the hard way, like I did, having that, that $16,000 homeowner's claim? And by the way, I praise God for good homeowner's insurance back then. But have you ever learned something the hard way, but even though you've learned that lesson you still go back and try to do things yourself, even after you've learned that lesson. You still think you have a better way instead of thinking, no, I really need to reach out beyond myself to something else, to someone else who might have a better way of doing this a way far better than I could do. Well, friends, that's 
That's the position that the Hebrews are in in this text. Let's, let's remember the situation these original hearers are in. These are Jewish people who had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had embraced Jesus as their Savior. And they had learned that Jesus is better than anything and everything they had in this Old Testament system of priests and sacrifices. But even though they had come to know Jesus, man, they started looking over their shoulder, thinking, you know, we have Christ, but man, the way I did things before might have actually been better. Even though I've learned this lesson that Jesus is better, maybe I want to go back and do the things that I was once doing. Maybe I want to go back and have those sacrifices like they did with Moses and Aaron. Maybe I want to go back to that earthly tabernacle, that that tent, and depend on those animal sacrifices over and over. And the writer of Hebrews is coming to them and saying, look, you've already learned the lesson that Jesus is better. But for some reason, you're looking over your shoulder and you're thinking that the way you used to do things might be better than what Jesus is now. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't do that. If that's what you're doing, you don't understand how good, how great, how awesome Jesus actually is. And friends, today, you know, for us here in 2024, we're a long way removed from the priesthood of Aaron and the Levitical system. We might have not had anything Jewish at all in our past, but is there something in your life that you say, man, I need to go back to that. Maybe I need to go back to trying to work my way to heaven. I need to go back to saying, let me take my best deeds and offer them to God so that I can earn my salvation. Instead of saying, Jesus paid it all. He did it all. He is much better, much greater than anything that I could ever offer. Friends, in this text today, and if you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll see three simple points. The writer of Hebrews today is coming to us and saying that Jesus is so much better in three specific ways today. He's better with the what, he's better with the where, and he's better with the chair. You like that rhyme? I did that myself. (laughs) The what, the where, and the chair. What do I mean by the what, the where, and the chair? Look at verse 3. Let's talk about the what. Verse 3 says, For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Okay, maybe you're you're visiting Redeemer for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, and, and you don't know where we are. Well, let me explain some background here. The author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish people who had heard the gospel of Jesus and become believers. So these are people who are very, very... Um, have a, they have a lot of understanding of what happened in the Old Testament. They have a lot of understanding 
of the priesthood and the sacrifices and things of that nature. And let's remember what the Old Testament priests would do. If you go back and read the Old Testament, it talks about this specific day, the Day of Atonement, where the high priest would go into the tabernacle. Well, what's the tabernacle? Well, after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God said, build me a tent. So the the tabernacle is is simply a tent. It's it's a big tent. And God said, in that tent, I want you to have certain rooms and and certain things. So there was one room called the, the holy place. And then next to that room was another room called the most holy place. And between those two rooms is a curtain. And the Bible says that once a year, the high priest is to go behind that curtain into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And in that room, there's the Ark of the Covenant. You remember the Ark of the Covenant? You've seen Indiana Jones Part 1, right? Well, in that Ark is the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and several other things. But why would the priest go in there? He would go in there to make a sacrifice. You see, when the, whole, when the high priest entered that most holy place... He didn't come with nothing in his hands. He had something in his hands. Do you know what it was? It was the blood sacrifice of a bull or a goat or a ram. And he would take the sacrifice and drip it on the top of the ark. The top of the ark is called the mercy seat. Okay? And the Bible teaches us that God's glory would manifest its presence Above the mercy seat, between the cherubim, again, going back to that Indiana Jones, you remember the cherubim on that ark? That's what there was. So you'd have the presence of God above the ark. In the ark, you'd have the law of God. And then between the presence of God and the law of God, you would have the blood sacrifice. So the what that the priest brought was a blood sacrifice, right? That's what he would bring. He never came in empty-handed. He always had something in his hands that was a blood sacrifice of an animal. Now, did he do that just once, being done forever? No. Hebrews teaches us he did it every single year. Every single year. It, 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 It never ended. He brought this blood sacrifice of the animal and put it on top of the ark. But I have a question for you, friends. Did the blood of those bulls and goats, did that take away Israel's sin? Did it? Let's put this verse on the screen. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. What? Then why would they do that? Well, first of all, they did it because God told them to do it. God was teaching them that he required the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. God was teaching them that they needed a substitute, something other than themselves, to be poured out upon that ark. But these this, this, this blood of these animals, that never took away their sins. You see, what this was, was a picture of something to come. It was the picture of not an animal, but a person who would come 
and shed his blood once for all on the cross. You see, this whole Old Testament, this sacrificing of animals and bulls and goats, it pointed forward to what Jesus was going to do. But the what that they had was the blood of bulls and goats. The author of Hebrews says, well, just like those Old Testament priests brought the blood of bulls and goats, Jesus brought something as well what did he bring what was in jesus's hands when he came before god in the most holy place the bible is very clear with us when jesus christ who is the lamb of god who is the sacrifice comes into the most holy place as our priest he does something that no other priest had ever done. Think about it. When Aaron, the brother of Moses, on this side, walked into the Holy of Holies, remember, he had something in his hands. His what was the blood of bulls and goats. But when Jesus Christ, your great high priest, when he went before his father as your priest, what was in his hands? Nothing. There was no blood of a bull or a goat or a lamb. Why? Because this priest, Jesus, did something that those priests have never done. Jesus threw himself on the mercy seat. Think about that. Did Aaron ever throw himself on the mercy seat and shed his blood? No. Did the priest after him throw themselves on the mercy seat? No. But Jesus as our priest, gave us a different what. He didn't give us the blood of bulls and goats. He gave us his own blood. That was his what. Throwing himself, dear friends, on the mercy seat. Hebrews 7.26, we'll go to, to this verse. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. You know, in the Old Testament, they were, they were called to bring a sacrifice that, that didn't have any, any stain. Jesus was one who had no stain. Jesus was one who was perfect. And think about this. Does an animal properly represent you no why wasn't jesus a bull or a goat or a lamb because we aren't bulls and goats and lambs jesus was a human being fully god and fully man fully identifying with you and me that's who threw himself on the mercy seat dear friends for you and me yet Here's the situation. You have these Hebrews who, although they know this story about Jesus and they realize that that Jesus is so much better than what they used to do, they're living over here and all of a sudden they start looking over their shoulder thinking, man, this might have been better. (laughs) Even though I've, I've lived and learned that Jesus is better, I might want to go back here and do things myself again. I might want to have this 
annual tabernacle priest ritual thing every year and depend upon that. And the author of Hebrews is saying, now that you've learned the lesson, why would you go back to the old way? Because Jesus is so much better. Well, friends, how does any of this apply to us today? You say, Pastor Adam, I'm not thinking about going back to a tabernacle. I'm not thinking about going back to this other animal sacrifice. Well, what are you thinking about doing? Do you ever think to yourself, man, I need to offer God something to make myself acceptable. I need to offer God my best works, my best deeds, my best service. You know, if I just write a check big enough, that'll make it okay between me and God. Friend, if that is you, if you ever have anything you say, man, if I offer this to God, I'm going to be right with God, think again. Look at this verse from Jeremiah. Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is before me, declares the Lord. We'll show a picture of this stained shirt. Back in 1996, my brother gave me um, a shirt. It was a campaign shirt. He was running for office. He gave me a, a campaign shirt. It said, Jason Mumpower, state representative on it. And I would wear this shirt all the time. It was my favorite shirt. It was a comfortable shirt. Anyone have a comfortable shirt you like to put on here and there? The problem is, is that I'm a mess. And over time, I would get that shirt stained, especially here around the the collar. And uh, we would wash that shirt in the washing machine. But it didn't matter. Every single time we washed that shirt and dried it, uh, pulled it out, what's, what's here on the collar? <laughs> a stain. I remember there was a big yellow stain here on the front of the shirt. And believe it or not, Deirdre did not like me to wear that shirt out. Can you believe that? I liked that shirt because it was comfortable. But that shirt was stained. And no matter what I did, I couldn't get that stain out. No matter what I tried, gain, tide, didn't matter. The stain was not coming out. That verse from Jeremiah teaches us this lesson. It says, though we wash ourselves with lye and use an abundance of soap, the stain of our guilt is still before God Almighty. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like my life is so bad that I have to clean myself up before God? Or he's not going to accept me. And you try doing good things and right things and living a certain way and giving a certain amount. And you say, man, if I do this, this is going to clean myself up so that I can be acceptable to God. God says, no, you can try to clean your life up. You can try, but the stain of your guilt is still before me. It's going to stay on that shirt. In fact, here's what Isaiah says. We'll put this up on the screen we have all become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment have you ever said man i'm going to take the very best of what i have in life and i'm going to offer it to god that he'll see me as right in his sight isaiah says you know if you do that if you take the very best that you have all your righteous deeds and you offer it to god It's like offering God 
polluted garments. You know, when we find out Jesus is better and we look over our shoulder and say, I'm going to go back to this old way. I'm going to go back to this way of doing it myself. We find that everything that we try to do falls short of the glory of God. Those animal sacrifices fell short of His glory. Our sins fall short of His glory. Yet we depend on these so much when God says there's a better way. There's a better what? You don't need to bring your good deeds. You don't need to bring the blood of bulls and goats because my son, Jesus Christ, has done everything that you need to have salvation. As the great hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply Jesus to thy cross I cling. Jesus, friends, is a better what? There's nothing better than Jesus. But secondly, today, the author of Hebrews says, there's a better where. Look at verse 2 and then verses 5 and 6. A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. And then 5 and 6. If I can find 5. Here we go. I need better glasses. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old. As the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on a better promises. Copies and shadows. Some of you have heard this story about shadows. When I was about nine years old, I would go into my room at night and, and get in bed, and I would turn the light off in my room, but leave the light on in the hall, and I would lay in bed, and I would wait for my mom or dad to come down the hall uh, to, to tell me goodnight. And I can remember laying in the bed and looking out the door into the hallway, and I would watch the wall. Because as my parents came down the hall, I could see the shadow, I could see their shadow on the wall before I saw them come down the hall. In other words, I saw their shadow first, and that said to, to my mind, hey, my mom or my dad is coming. They're on their way. You see, the shadow pointed to the fact that the reality of my parent was coming down the hall, and I looked forward to that. So the shadow was a good thing. And that it gave me hope for something better, my parent, to come into my room. So a shadow helped me anticipate my parent. Does that make sense? Okay. In the Old Testament, God gives us shadows or copies, if you will. You know, a shadow is like a copy. The Old Testament gives us shadows and copies. And in the Old Testament, it was this tabernacle this is the where okay this this tabernacle where where god would would come down and and meet with man in the tabernacle and god told moses there's a certain way i want you to build that tent that copy because this is actually a copy or a shadow of something that is in heaven wait what yes there's this sanctuary this 
dwelling of God in heaven. And Moses, I'm going to show you a pattern of it, and I want you to build it here on earth. Okay? I want you to build this shadow, this copy here on earth. And, and inside this shadow, this copy, that's where the priest is going to come and, and give this blood sacrifice. But this is just a shadow. This is just a copy. This is not the reality. This is here to point you forward to a reality. So where are you putting your hope? Are you putting your hope in this shadow copy tabernacle system with with animals and blood that you do every single year? Is that the where that you're hoping in? Because the Bible says to us today, there's a much better where. Think about this. In the New Testament, did Jesus ever go into the Holy of Holies in the temple? He didn't. He didn't. Why? Wasn't he our high priest? Isn't he the one that's supposed to go into this earthly tent? Why did Jesus, as our high priest, never enter into the earthly tent? Because he entered a better tent. (laughs) He entered a better where. And where is that where? It's in the sanctuary of God in heaven. Friends, I want you to know that this whole Old Testament picture of this tent and the dwelling of God coming down was just a shadow and a copy of something so much better, so much greater, because Jesus didn't have to go into an earthly tent behind a curtain. Jesus went into a heavenly sanctuary in the presence of his Father and laid down his sacrifice before God Almighty. Which is better? Which is better? Come on, this right here is an annual reminder of your sin. But Jesus says, I'm going to march into the presence of God. By the way, that's something that none of us could do. Could you imagine marching into the presence of God with the very best that you can offer? With your tithes and offerings and and good deeds and saying, God, I'm marching into your presence. Will you please accept this? Oh, my God goodness we'd be in a mess yet we look over our shoulder and say that's what we want to go back to that's what we got to do to make ourselves right in the sight of God and God says no you don't have to do this old way because Christ has made a new and a better way he's gone before his father he's laid down his perfect life once for all in the presence of God almighty he has a much better where than we could ever have. We'll show you this drawing here from Dr. Kara. Think about it this way. In the Old Testament, you have the shadow or the copy coming down, whether it's in the priesthood or in the tabernacle, um, in circumcision, whatever it might be. But this shadow only points you to the reality of Christ coming down and doing that which is better, not only with the what, but with the where. Let's jump to Hebrews 9, that next verse, Dean. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24 says, Thus it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, 
but the heavenly things themselves but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So friends, think about the where. Where does the earthly priest do his work? in this shadow, in this copy, in this man-made tent. But where does Jesus do His priestly work? Not in a shadow, not in a copy, but in heaven itself. Look at these two verses from Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have, been, that have uh, come, then went through a greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation like this tent, He entered once for all into the holy places in the sanctuary of God, not by the means of the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Okay, how does this apply to you? How does this apply to you? Friends, I know many people in this world who still depend on an earthly priest. I know many people who will even go to confession. Maybe you have been one of those people in your life that you've gone to confession with an earthly priest. And you go in a room and you confess to a priest and you tell uh, this priest you've done this or that and then that priest gives you penance, a certain uh, prayers to make uh, so that you can be okay. And then when you mess up the next time, you can go right back to that priest and do the same confession and penance. Why? Why would you do that? And if you're wondering, why did I do that? I've got some good news for you. You don't have to do that anymore. Because you have a high priest. Jesus Christ. You have a high priest who has gone to a place that you could never go. You, into heaven. And he has made a way for you to be saved from your sins. And if you're depending upon the where of this earth as the place for your sins to be dealt with, that is a hopeless situation that will never end. But if you're depending upon Christ who went to the where of heaven for you and laid down his life, that's what will save you from your sins and give you, friends, eternal life. Jesus is better. And that's what brings us to our final point. We've seen he's a better what, he's a better where. And I will tell you now that he sits in the chair. Look at verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Go back to this tabernacle, okay? The priest had a lot of work to do. He had to get this blood sacrifice. He had to sacrifice for himself. He had to sacrifice for others. He had to get many different animals. He had to do this all the time. The work never ended. Have you ever done something where you're like, man, this work's never going to end. It's never going to end. I remember when I was 19 years old, I worked on an assembly line. I worked a 12-hour night shift. We produce what's called mine bolt resin capsules. It's these two chemicals that come out of this machine into a tube. And 
Um, they use them in mines. If you put them in the top of a mine and spin it together, the chemicals combine and it hardens the mine. What I would do for 12 hours from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., work the night shift, is I would be on that assembly line and these chemicals would come down. They would be put in these two tubes and I would pick them up and put them in a box. And I did that for 12 hours. And when I was done, I couldn't leave my station until the next guy got there. Okay, because the machine never stopped. Like I had to wait for him to get there. So I would go home and I would sleep and, um, and do whatever I had to do. And then 12 hours later, I would come back and there he was. he was. He was still there on the assembly line. And I had to come to him to relieve him because the work never stopped. Have you ever felt like that? Like the work never stops. And we really didn't, we didn't sit down. Like we, we were standing on this line, moving these things back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, will this ever end? And that, that, that company doesn't even shut down on Christmas. They just keep going all the time. And that must have been what the priest felt like. This was never going to end. I did the animal sacrifice last year and the year before, the year before. I'm going to do it this year, next year, next year. It's never going to end. Think about it. In the Holy of Holies, were there any chairs? No, there's no chairs in there. It's not like the priest goes in there and relaxes and sits down. He just keeps working all the time. And you're thinking, will this ever end? So the author of Hebrews comes and says this. Jesus is the one who is seated at the right hand of God. He's what? He's seated. He's what? He's seated. Think about a first century Jew reading this. You're telling me that a priest sat down? That never happened. But this Jesus you're telling me is so much better than this Aaron, who was a priest. He's so much better that he sat down. Yes, he did. Why did Jesus sit down? What did he say on the cross before he died? It is finished. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Friends, Jesus is so much better. If you try to earn your way to heaven, it's this non-stop, am I ever going to have enough to offer to God, repeat over and over thing. But Jesus has a better what? He brings his own body and blood instead of the animal. He has a better where? He does it in heaven in front of God. And he has a better chair. He has the chair that he sits down in and says to us, it's finished, the battle is over, I have won your salvation for you, I am now seated, resting, because the work is done. Trust, trust in me. I'm going to finish with one story, dear friends. <clears throat> I was talking to um, a lady once who had grown up in the Catholic Church. Her name uh, was Donna. 
And I had the opportunity to, to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with Donna. And I uh, told her much of what I've told you all today. How, how Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for her sins. And that she needed to trust in Christ by grace through faith. We talked about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, by grace you've been saved through faith. This not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. And I told her the gospel, and she was in her late 40s, and she said to me, she said, Pastor Adam, she said, everything you're saying sounds so simple. Why is that? And I said, Donna, your entire life, you've been told that you have to do, do, do to be saved. And Christ is telling you that he has done, done, done the work for you to be saved. Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. She had been in the church her whole life and she had never heard about grace. She'd never heard about what Christ had done for her. And she was looking back over her shoulder saying, I got to do this, 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 this to make myself right before God. And I was trying to teach her that Jesus did it better. Jesus did it better. There's someone outside of you who's done this better. Believe upon him and be saved. So I ask you today, friends, what? What are you bringing to God? Are you bringing your own sacrifices, your own works, your own merits? If so, know that Jesus brought a better what? He brought his own life, his own blood for you. Think about the where. Do you depend on meeting even with an earthly priest in an earthly, even on an earthly church for your eternal forgiveness? Or do you find something better in Christ, the one who went before his heavenly father for you? That's a better where, dear friends. He went to the sanctuary of God and think about the chair. Because if you're trying to do, 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 know the work is done, done, done. Christ is sitting in that chair. He sat down at the right hand of God for you. And know this, Jesus is better. He's so much better. So don't give up on Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for this time and your word. And thank you that uh, it hits, Lord, even here in 2024. Uh, it reminds us that there's nothing in our hands whether it's a sacrifice of a bull or a goat, or whether it's our works, there's nothing in our hands that we could bring that's better than your sacrifice. There's no better place to go than heaven, where you went, Christ, before your Father and laid down your life. And we know that you sat in the chair because your work is done. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.